0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: The information discussed during the show is not intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any condition. If your pet is currently experiencing any medical issues, please seek immediate assistance from a licensed veterinarian. Good morning, everybody. You are listening to Holistic Tech Care with Dr. O. I'm your host, Dr. Caroline O'Sullivan, calling you from I mean, speaking to you from Holistic Veterinary Care and Acupuncture Center here in Arizona. Um, first of all, I'd like to encourage listeners to call in with questions today at a different phone number. So get your pen or your phone ready, because here it comes. 646-915-9065. Call in with your questions or you can post your questions on our new Facebook or Twitter, and I'll give you those uh, addresses in just a second. I do want to let every one of our listeners know to call all of your friends because today, for an hour, we are gifted enough to have Dr. Jean Dodds with us. And um, good morning, Dr. Dodds. How are you? Good morning. I'm just fine. Thank you very much. Oh, yes. Yeah. So this thing, I, can't, I, can't, I can't thank you enough for being here. We have so much fun stuff to talk about. But for our listeners here, first of all, I, as always, I want to thank Sylvia Global Media Network for making this whole thing possible in the first place. And to let our listeners know that we now have a Facebook page. So if you could like us, that would be great. Holistic Tech here with Dr. O., Follow us on Twitter, Dr. O-D-V-M, and myself and a couple of really great social media mavens are working on that all the time, so we'll get back to all your, quests, your questions, and if there's something you would like to hear on this radio show, please let us know, because we want to make sure that we discuss everyone's concerns and convictions and passions on this show. So today, we're going to go ahead and talk to Dr. Dawes about two of the many, many, many things that she does in her her wonderfully expansive life as a veterinarian and as a wonderful human being. The first uh, thing will be thyroid testing and um, as complicated as it does get. And then we will end the show talking about vaccine issues. And as Dr. Dodds and I had just discussed, there's um, a lot of um, old information, a lot of confusion about vaccinations for at least our dogs and our cats. And we will discuss that today to try and clear a little bit of that up and to give our listening audience resources to get further information. So with that long, exhausting um, introduction, Dr. Dodds, can we start talking about thyroid testing, please? Uh, absolutely. Where would you like me to start? Um, let's just start beginning. where I'm sitting. I as a, as a uh, let's say as a pet owner as sometimes a client, most of the time a practitioner, and a holistic diagnostician, um, trying to bring in all of the tools in my toolbox to figure out how to best serve my friends. Um, Thyroid testing, I find, as I'm looking at records that have been transferred to me, have been sorely lacking. That I find that people, um, my patients and such, have not had thyroid testing. They've had a traditional CBC Chem urinalysis, and that's it. And I'm like, okay, my you know my chubby rat-tailed, drinking a lot of water, lazy nine-year-old dog. I'm like, really? So what's your thyroid test you have to say? They're like, yeah, they never did that. And <laughs> for me, that's very sad. And then for my the extent of my um, uh, education is T4, and then I expanded it to T4 EDS to try and get the free T4 numbers and uh, make decisions based on that. That is about where I would hand off thyroid testing to someone such as you and I would myself like to have a heck of a lot more information about the importance of the autoantibody testing for T3 and T4, free T4, free T3s and those types of things and I understand that we're not at a veterinary conference right now, but all of these modalities are available to all veterinarians and I'd like for our listening audience to also know these things and how important these tools could be for making our pets feel a damn sight better. <laughs> because I know that's how it works. So I know that leaves it wide
0: open. So it's all you, Dr. Dodge. Okay. Well, part of the problem is, I agree with you completely, that the typical practitioner will do an evaluation, even if it's just a wellness check, and they'll do a, a complete blood count, CBC. They'll do serum chemistries to look at the liver and the uh, kidney and maybe the adrenal glands by inference, et cetera, and the electrolytes, and then they may do a urinalysis. What's happening now is most of the larger laboratories will also add on a T4, Uh, for the thyroid. The problem is that that T4 is done on an auto analyzer so the serum uh, gets put into a hole in an automatic machine on a circular thing and it just goes ahead and reads a T4. The problem Uh is that that's very misleading for two reasons. The automated T4 uses an anti-human T4 antibody, and oh. we know for the dog and cat that you have to have an anti-canine antibody, and there's only one commercial source of that. So they don't use that; they use a human antibody, and the re- well, because it's cost-effective and blah blah. But the problem with that is that um, it reads too low. So it overdiagnoses hypothyroidism. So many, many samples will come back with a T4 below 0.8 um, uh-huh. micrograms per deciliter. And then what happens is the printout from the lab says you've got to add on another test. And yeah. so they have to call back in and add on what you described as the free T4, and it's usually done by equilibrium dialysis
1: just mm-hmm. because
0: there's been some hype for decades that you can only do it that way, which is basically nonsense. It's also a radioimmunoassay. Oh. It's really not any better. <laughs> it's just been a, an industry that's totally brainwashed everybody. So a free T4 is a more important analyte than the total T4 because it measures the biologically active fraction of the total T4. And that accounts for 0.1 percent of the total. So when you measure a total T4, 99.99 percent of it is not being, uh, at 99.9, so is not available to the body at all. It's bound to circulating proteins in the blood. The only right. part that's available and measurable and useful is the free. So right. if you only had to do one test, you do the free T4. But most people don't understand that. And it can't be done by the add-on to the autoanalyzer serum chemistry. So we have this whole impasse. So not only is hypothyroidism overdiagnosed in a dog, hyperthyroidism, which is common in older cats, especially if they have renal failure, which is common, yep. um, reads too low and so it's missed. So we have this huge problem with the industry, and this is worldwide, being um, programmed to just do a CBC, serum chemistries, T4, and maybe your analysis. So we yep. start off long from the beginning. So you must have a more complete thyroid profile. Dr. Furthermore. Sure. I just go heard
1: go you ahead. say that because of our auto-analyzer with our anti-human, um, autobodies, and then our add-on biological um, T4, 3-T4, that we are over-diagnosing dogs with low thyroid and we are under-diagnosing cats that have hyperthyroidism.
0: Older cats yes.
1: Over-diagnosing dogs with hypo and we're under-diagnosing cats with hyper. Is that correct? That's
0: correct. That's correct. Uh,
1: this is so, this is That's such such exactly right. <laughs> and
0: so it's a, it's a big issue. Now, but the problem is not that simple even. Um, when you're coming in just for a wellness exam, for example, especially if it's an older animal, we already know that um, about 50% and six, to 60% of dogs and cats that come in older for a wellness exam have some subclinical issue already going on that isn't obvious yet. And so Mm -hmm. it's very important that the veterinarian be able to see that so they can focus on what the laboratory results show us. And so they could show us a thyroid problem or early liver disease or early kidney disease or whatever, and you could intervene then prophylactically and therapeutically to prevent the onset of clinical disease. So that's very important. Furthermore... We have so many breeds now that have autoimmune thyroid disease, which is heritable in the dog, Mm -hmm. and it's not diagnosed at all with either of those tests, T4 or free T4. So you really need to have a complete thyroid profile with the antibodies included up front before you spend any money going down the road finding out why your animal is suddenly gaining weight why the behavior has suddenly changed out of the blue, uh, why the animals got low-grade chronic ears and chronic skin and chronic leaking the feed and maybe urinary tract infections, when you're going to miss it completely. You're going to spend hundreds of dollars chasing a red herring because you didn't do the right tests up front. So, Carolyn, we need to emphasize to our listeners how important it is that they spend the money needed to do a proper, complete thyroid profile first. To either okay, rule now, now that's that been true.
1: That being true, Dr. Dobbs, we're telling our listening audience and all my clients from this point forward in my practice, at least, that if I if I'm not the one doing it and they're going to a traditional practitioner or their own practitioners, what is it that my, that your clients say to their veterinarian, saying, "I want a complete thyroid profile, including." The uh,
0: autoantibodies and the 3D4. Yeah, so we need to make Correct. sure that we'll so know the whole thing. ask for. Yeah. The whole you want thing a complete now. thyroid antibody profile because I understand it's important to do that upfront to rule out a problem that may be contributing now or down the road shortly uh, to my pet's health. Indeed, and they're paying and for it. And if yeah, the veterinarian and he, says, no, yeah, no, no, I have a contract with a lab. We don't need to do that. We'll just do a simple T4 first. The client exactly. has to say, I'm sorry, but I'm paying for this, and please do what I want. <laughs> and exactly. nicely, you know, say it nicely.
1: Yeah, exactly. You're, you're so funny because you and I are you say the exact same thing to our clients. Now, the sign, the symptomology that you just reeled off Honestly, it's 80% of my practice, Jean. I mean, when look at my feet, I'm kind of losing weight. I'm kind of lethargic. I've kind of got chronic ears. I've kind of got crappy skin. I've kind of got this. I'm like, yep, that's about 80% of them. <laughs> like yeah. you're saying, we've missed it completely, don't we? we just missed it completely. Now, these heritable breeds with our autoimmune, our autoantibodies, Do you have a quickie list on those or is it something that people can look up or we just need
0: to go ahead and do the testing on all of these dogs? But we know that Sir 3s Right, certain breeds have a high risk, and the top, this is almost a contest, the top 20 changes all the time. So do you want to be number one, the English setter, or do you want to be number 20, you know, uh, the French bulldog or whatever? So we've got golden retrievers and Irish setters and Shetland sheepdogs and, of course, English setters and poodles and, I mean, you name it. The problem is we also have mixed breeds today, and we have registered hybrid breeds, like the Uh Labradoodle and Golden Doodle. Well, they bring both sets of genetics to the table, so they have you know, twice the chance of being healthy, and they also have twice the chance of not being healthy. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we have to be really, really <laughs> careful about all these things.
1: Mm, interesting. Now, would this, in your opinion, would this be something that we can uh, uh, work on breeding out of some of these terrible breeds? Is this something we can test for prior to breeding, or is this something that just shows up, doing, you know, with with regard to that?
0: Pun and oh, no, so absolutely. absolutely. Maybe. Will or maybe yeah, can. yeah. No, no, absolutely critical that the the breeders know that no matter what breed they have, these animals should be screened before they're used for breeding. Because if they have elevated thyroid autoantibodies in Uh the dog, that would be like human Hashimoto's disease. It's the same Uh disorder, exactly. It's heritable. You don't Uh breed them. Um, and especially those, you know, shishi rare breeds that people are bringing <laughs> in now, you know, from different parts of the world. I, I mean, I we're sort of an interesting... Um, an interesting society, in that we like to have something that not very many people have, and bring it in. Well, all of that's fine, but the smaller the gene pool, the more likely you're going to be transmitting something if you're not careful. Right, so, right. You know, so you so you could quote ruin a breed if there's only a hundred in the country, and you breed them without knowing what you're looking for.
1: When that, and that's not, that's not just thyroid, right? that, unfortunately, my terms are going to be inappropriate here, but it's common sense, you know, 100, 100 as a gene pool throughout the course of documented history, it, it's not a smart idea, you know, small gene pool, tons of problems, small gene pool, long-term problems, small gene pool, it doesn't make sense to yeah. constantly breed within a small gene pool, and I know everyone out there listening understands that, but we, maybe as a country or as people that really want to look at me dog or what I've got, kind of dog, or the ego type stuff, we continue to do it and unfortunately on, on our side of the table as a white coat, we see these animals suffer and we see these animals get these diseases that they didn't deserve. And it's possible that with pre screening and some common sense wouldn't be
0: such a problem. So Well yeah, yeah of I'm course, my, <laughs> You have all the uh, eye diseases, you have hip disorders, you have elbow disorders. Uh The problem also, Uh Carolyn, is that in those breeds, even the very popular breeds, if someone for the first time has an outstanding animal and starts winning at shows and competitions, this becomes very important to their ego and self-worth. And Uh so they tend to not want to tell people. And so... This is basically a human problem, not the dog's problem. And so we have to encourage people, if you've got a problem and you're breeding animals and you're testing ethically, don't tell your best friend if something's wrong. Just deal with it directly and breed it out of your breeding program. And people will say, well, I'm not going to breed to Sally Jones's best-in-show dog because I know she has hip dysplasia in the background. Well, nonsense. If Sally Jones tells people that there has been and tests for it, you want to breed to her dogs because she's telling yeah. the truth. That's <laughs> right. That's exactly, I mean,
1: that's exactly right. When the, the, your comparison and your thought process, I, it, it reminds me of some folks that I did a bunch of work for that were very high-tone show folks and that they were um, ignoring or kind of uh, sweeping under the rug or just giving the poo-poo hand wave to some serious some serious blood dyscrasias and some serious musculoskeletal issues. And it was just as long as I can get this certain color or this certain whatever that I'm just not, if we don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. And as right. you said, I would much rather have somebody say, yeah, this has been present in my group. And yeah, we're breeding it out. And yes, we're addressing it. And we're, yes, we're appropriately testing. Whereas that person, if I could look them square in the eye and shake their hand and look at their testing, I would much rather be in cahoots with that person versus somebody else. So Absolutely. I completely agree with you, Completely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. 100%. 100%. 100%, 100%. Ugh, uh, <laughs> Yeah. And, and seeing as how I'm much more of a rescue person, it's kind of speaking out of turn anyway, because I would much rather go to the shelter and, you know, get the rescue dogs out. <laughs> so so I, I, come, I come from a little bit a different place, although I mean, I've done work for many, 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 many breeders. So um, I really have a lot of um, respect for folks that do it ethically and have concerns and have done their due diligence with their, their lines, but also with their medical knowledge and their heritable knowledge and those types of things. So... You know, good people are good people, so let's uh, yep. not to dismiss anybody. So, all right, back to our thyroid testing. We have, veterinary medicine is completely missing it, that <laughs> we need to be doing full thyroid profiles that include the Ottawa antibodies. And um, can we talk a little bit about the
0: TGAA, our thyroiditis? Um, yes. Okay, that's part yes. of our profile, yes? Right, it is, and there's one other thing I wanted to mention. The only veterinary diagnostic lab in the world that provides important age and breed specific interpretive comments is our lab at Hemopad. And this is despite the fact that published information from the 70s has clearly shown that, of course, the Chihuahua is not the St. Bernard. And the young dog has (laughs) higher thyroid levels, optimally, because it's still growing. And the Uh older animal has lower levels because they're not growing. And so all of this is documented, and yet none of the commercial uh, veterinary diagnostic labs that test all over the world do that. They have one normal range from everybody, and this is a very big problem, Carolyn. Do you believe that a that a a Saint Bernard should have the energy of a Yorkshire Terrier? Oh, we cannot. Oh, Let's hope oh, exactly. No, no. So they're different, and not only that, the sight hounds as a class are totally different. And some yeah, veterinarian they're lower, they're low normal, and many veterinarians don't even know that. They don't even know that a Basenji is a sight hound, that an Azawak is a sight hound, that an Akbash mm-hmm. is partly sight hound. So you have to know where their norms should be, and the problem is that with so many greyhounds being in rescue now throughout the country, uh, appropriately yeah. so, like like ours. Um, they don't know where to do that. And so some veterinarians inadvertently keep taking the total T4 only and basing the dosage of thyroid therapy on that, and they keep raising and raising and raising it until the animal collapses because it's way too much. And what happens... I'm sorry. What happens in that situation is the body excretes it faster to avoid uh, overload toxicosis. And so you increase the level too high and the blood results are even lower Lower, because it's not even getting utilized properly.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. I I need to talk to you about TGAA. Thyroglobulin (laughs) autoantibody um, is the marker for the genetic form of thyroid disease in the dog. Um, It doesn't detect all cases. It detects about 92% of those animals that have it, and it's often positive long before the animal has any clinical signs of hypothyroidism. And so people can have a best-in-show dog that they're screening for genetic purposes for breeding and find it has a very, very high thyroglobulin autoantibody, and the animal is just one a best-in-show, and they're totally confused, and their local veterinarian may, you know, not being well-educated on the topic, say, oh, well, if it's not sick, don't worry, just go ahead and breed him or her. <laughs> oh, well, that's yeah. <laughs> terrible because the animal doesn't wake up tomorrow and become hypothyroid. It takes a year or a year and a half. In the early stages, in the early stages of this autoimmune, uh, inflammatory, destructive process, where the lymphocytes are targeted to kill the thyroid gland, uh, it's called lymphocytic thyroiditis. Itis meaning mm-hmm. inflammation. What happens is that the animal will will start to show some odd things, like behavioral change, like idiopathic weight gain, like a hot spot here and there. But other than that. It doesn't show clinical signs that are typical until 70 percent or more of the thyroid gland is destroyed. Destroyed. And that means by then, by then you've got only a third left. You're going to see, or a little bit less than a third, you're going to see fat, lazy, hates the cold, bad hair coat, bad skin, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I got. So that being said, Dr. Dodd. We have this, I, I'm excited about the age and grade appropriate interpretations. Now, I used to work um, in Vegas, and I know that my um, I've had been part of sending many, many, many blood samples to you um, and getting these wonderful interpretations back. Now, if how do we get the blood from our listening audience's dogs to your facility? Now, we need to get a blood draw, we need to get it on ice and send it to you, or do we need to spin it down and get it on ice and send it to you? Or how how does the listening audience get this amazing age and breed appropriate interpretation with this complete thyroid profile that might help, well, of course it's going to help, and catch these things like, oh, this horrible lymphocytic thyroiditis ahead of time and appropriately so we can do our due
0: diligence. How do the listening audience get to you? (laughs) It's it's actually very easy, and it does not need uh, a cold pack once the serum has been separated. The people go on our website, hemopet, H-E-M-O-P-E-T dot org, Uh and on the headings, you'll see the diagnostic portion and they download the test request form and fill it out. They can either fill it out online or print it and fill it out by hand. Because some veterinarians may not know how to do this or haven't used our services, it's best for the client to go prepared, fill everything out to make it easier for them. Because they have a busy practice, they don't have time to try to figure out, well, who is this God's person and who is Hemopath? <laughs> Believe it or not, after 50 <laughs> years, some people have never heard of us. I, I find that quite amazing. I mean, they may not like us, but most people know who we are. So here, anyway, you fill it out. And the most complete profile is thyroid profile 5, because it has five tests. Thyroid profile 4 has four tests, because it doesn't include the antibody. And then thyroid profile 2. And it depends on whether you're doing the initial test, which should be thyroid profile 5, or a follow-up where you don't need the autoantibody, TGAA, because it was already negative originally. Okay? Now, but... If you haven't tested, the dog's not on thyroid, and you have to test it again in a year, you still have to keep doing the TGAA, because it can change as the animal gets older. So anyway, so you do that, you fill it out, you get the separated serum, not the whole blood even in a serum separator gel tube, because it comes to us like raspberry jam. You (laughs) separate the serum... Now, the veterinarian can send it or the client can send it. And as long as the information is filled out for both the veterinarian and the client, results go back to both. We send results to whomever's contact information is provided on the form, and it comes with the interpretive comment. Yeah. Now, remember, we are not the clinic of record. We are not the primary veterinarians. We cannot dispense any medication. We're only right. making recommendations for the veterinarian and the client. uh uh-huh. Very nice. And so, so we so the we go on to org, We
1: go to the diagnostic tab. We get our test request form. Thyroid profile five, preferably for the follow up, and two is initial. No, not initial. What what's two is a follow up down the road. Yes. Okay. And then we get a blood draw, and mm-hmm. we get a serum separator tube, and we spin it down so it's separated. So you guys don't get the raspberry jelly in the tube, and. What is the time
0: horizon for response? We or I think we talked about. Oh, no. <laughs> when we get the sample, the results are done in 24 <laughs> to 36 hours, depending on whether it's a weekend or a holiday or not. So the all results right. that we get, the samples that we get in from all over the world today, on Tuesday, will be reported out with interpretive comments by myself or my two colleagues, Drs. Richter or Zuckerman, who, who we've trained to do that as well, because we have so, so many samples coming in every day. Um, and they go out the next day. We're there the fastest laboratory everywhere that does all of this. Well, that's, and that's, that's, exactly,
1: so, <laughs> that's yeah. exactly my point, because I can send out blood work to a traditional you know, monster lab that I use every single day, and then I can get half or one-third of these results, and then I sit and wait for the other half or two-thirds is that, for extended, extended periods of time. And, gosh, you know, help me if there's a weekend or holiday involved, it's
0: quite a long period of time, so that's why. I to make sure well, that's
1: well,
0: well, you know the um, yeah the the university diagnostic labs are, are usually closed over holidays because the university is closed, so that can take a longer time. And also uh-huh. remember that if the client is ordering an OFA expanded thyroid profile, which we also offer through Hemopet, we have no control over the timing of that. So we will do our part, and then we have to wait for the OFA um, thyroid registry lab results to complete it. But they still get a partial report. We don't hold everything up. We tell them, this is what we have so far. The rest will be pending soon. And as soon as it comes, then we finish it.
1: Right, very nice.
0: very. Nice. And that's
1: nice because rather than just waiting going, I just get put in the back of the bus or what's going on here because I haven't heard anything, haven't heard anything. And I think that clients, be it for human or veterinary medicine, have become conditioned to the hurry up and wait thing. And I don't think that that's <laughs> yeah. appropriate. I just don't. I and mean, it's like, you know what, you paid for it, I sent it, let's follow up, let's do our due diligence, and let's just do better. Let's just do better yes. work, you know, and let, let's get on this, do this. My dog, your dog, has waited long enough to get the proper right. diagnosis. We, we,
0: don't, we don't need it's to stall anymore, you know, so yeah, right. I and, love and that. The samples can come by USPS priority mail if you want or two-day whatever um, without a cold pack but within a small box with some padding because the elephant in the post office might squash it otherwise. <laughs> so, you, so you need to do that. And uh-huh. believe it or not, we get, we get samples from Sydney, Australia by air mail in 24 hours. We get samples from New Jersey in four days.
1: Wow! 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 Yeah. Well, no, that's I got the New Jersey in four days thing makes more sense to me than the halfway around the world in forty-eight hours thing. But the elephant well, they just in the go post on a plane, office, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I love the elephant in the post office thing. That's fantastic <laughs> because I've run in. I actually had somebody come in the office um, the other day, and uh, um, they uh, they said that my box that I had sent out was leaking. I said, there's no fluids in there. I and mean, there's just no fluids in there. And there was an ice pack in there, but it had waited so long, the ice pack started to leak, and it leaked out the corner of the box, and then they accused, you know, basically accused me of sending fluids through the United States Post. I said, there's no fluids in there. There's just none. And it, it warranted a visit to my office about that. I started laughing. I'm like, yeah, I got nothing. I didn't send anything. So I, that's why I'm laughing at your elephant in the post office saying that. That's funny as hell, you know. So, and it's
0: crucial <laughs> for me now. <laughs> uh,
1: I want to thank you. From the bottom of my heart, my soul, and, and all, all of my clients and all of my patients are going to benefit from all of this information. Thank you so much, Dr. Dodds. You've been the best. Thank you, Carolyn. Love you very much. Thank you to all of our listeners. Stay involved. Stay updated. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and ask us any questions you possibly want and let us know what topics you want to hear for future shows. Have a great week and I'll talk to you next time. The information discussed during the show is not intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any condition. If your pet is currently experiencing any medical issues, please seek immediate assistance from a licensed veterinarian.